Amen. You may be seated. All right. Thank you all. Beautiful. Everybody online. I see Phil and Connie, Kimmy, Fred. They have some birthday things going on. We, we welcome everybody that's online. Welcome everybody that is here with us. Uh, we're going to start a series. And you have to forgive my... I know many of you are suffering with the allergies, um, but, um, oh, and I also noticed, I watched a lot of our Easter stuff, and it, when you watch yourself, you learn things about how you speak, and you guys might already know this, but when I get excited, and I'm preaching, and I know I'm on a flow, when I get excited, I will just abandon a sentence midstream, <laughs> uh, and just jump on to the next one, all right? Well, so if, you, if I do that, you know that's good stuff. You might have missed it, but uh, you know, I assume you are understanding where I'm going, so I'm just going on to the next thing. So I'll try to be conscious of that. All right, so we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, oftentimes in the liturgical calendar and liturgical tradition, uh, that doesn't come until June, 1st of June. Uh, late May, something like that, and usually you, and that's the day of Pentecost, and you start your Holy Spirit stuff then, but we're going to work up because this Holy Spirit is key for us understanding um, kind of the groundwork that we're laying here. We've talked about law and grace, and we're going to talk about law and grace today, but the, the key is the Holy Spirit when it comes to sanctification, when it comes to what the third piece is, what I call the missing link, and I, that Hopefully, it will all come clear here in just a second. So let us go ahead and begin. I will pray, and then we'll read from uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your love and for your patience. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would cover me now, that, Lord, it would be your words and uh, your spirit that is proclaimed here. Lord, help each one of us, by your Spirit, receive the message that you have for us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, out of, as I said, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Listen for the word of the Lord. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing in what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it, is really, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask you, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by you believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. So there is a lot in Galatians. There's a lot just in those nine chapters. So I'm going to just give you a preview of, of what it's saying and what, what's going on in Galatians. So in Galatians, there were Judaizers, Christian Jews that came and were saying that if you wanted to be a Christ follower, you had to be circumcised. And Paul picked up on this and he uses circumcision and what's going on to represent all the law. And he says, um, he's telling them that you believed by faith. You were justified by grace in Jesus Christ through faith. And now you're going to start living by the law again. You're going to try to be justified by what you do. And part of the Old Testament, especially the Judaizers should understand this, is that the law comes and tells us that it does three things Paul identifies in Romans. It, it identifies our sin, tells us what sin is. Paul says in Romans, I wouldn't have known what it meant to covet until someone said, don't covet, and told me the law told me what coveting was and why it was bad. So it identifies sin, and then it, it points and highlights sin in our lives and our inability to keep the law. No matter how good someone in, is in this room or in the world, they're going to break God's law. They're going to do something unfaithful, untrusting. Uh, we're all human. We're all sinners. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. So we're all human. And so the law tells us, man, I am a sinner. It tells me what sin is. And then it says, man, I, I can do, keep some law, but I can't keep all the law. And so at the end of the Old Testament, it ends with a problem. They still have the same problem. They're still unfaithful to God. They're still rebellious in their relationship with God. And so the law points us to a Savior. If it points to our inability to save ourselves, then we need a Savior, which we celebrated this last weekend. That Jesus Christ came, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And because he lives, we live, and we are justified in God. And how do we get, receive that justification before God, that grace, that mercy that we talked about? Faith. We believed. That's why he says, Abraham was the father of many nations, not because he was the father of the circumcised, it goes on in Galatians to say, he, Paul gives his argument. Was he, the, was he accredited righteousness because of the law? Nope, hadn't been given yet. Was he accredited righteousness because of circumcision? Nope, hadn't been done yet. Why does it say in uh, chapter 12, verse 6, it also says a very similar thing in chapter 15, that Abraham was accredited righteousness? Because he believed. God told him something outrageous was going to happen, and he was going to have a, a, be a father at his advanced years, and that he was going to be a father of many nations, as many as you could stars in the sky. And that's crazy. But he believed God. He had faith. He trusted God. And remember, that is at the core of original sin. 
going back to the garden and understanding of what, at, what is at the core of all of our sin, that is choosing our will over God's will. And how did that happen? The tempter got him, got them to stop trusting God. God said, one, gave him one law, one command, expressed his will. Do not eat of that tree of good and evil. Be, not for my good sake, but for your sake. And the tempter said, surely you won't die. Surely, in other words, surely God isn't telling you the truth. And so they broke faith. They broke trust with God. In Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, we put our faith and trust back in God. We come to a point where we bottom out or we just realize we can't do this on our own. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be righteous enough, holy enough. I need a Savior. And we say, what's that point? Not my will, but your will. Lord, I don't want my will anymore. I want your will for my life. So in Christ, we put our trust and faith back in God. And it is there where we talk about law and grace. But the law brings us to a point of acceptance of Christ, and then we receive it by grace and by faith. You know, that's just a short synopsis of the gospel. And so there's a problem when we talk about law and grace, law and grace, I had listened to this, uh, got uh, acquainted with this Lutheran pastor uh, podcast called Fighting for the Faith. This was several years ago, probably 10 years ago. And I listened to it a lot, and he talked about law and grace, law and grace. I mean, it's fundamental to the gospel. And you'll hear why in a few minutes. I think not addressing it properly is why many churches and their presentation of the gospel is off base and thus not fruitful. So he talked about law and grace, law and grace. He was Missouri Senate Lutheran, so he was heavy on law, but it was grace and law, grace and law. And sometimes I thought the way he talks about having the right doctrine sounds like a law in itself, but I digress. Never mind. Um, so law and grace, law and grace. And then a few years ago when I started, read this book, Seculosity, that we just finished and we have one more left, Keith uh, Manet is going to do that with me on this Tuesday. That should be interesting in and of itself. It's on politics. Uh, so tune in for that. Um, but in the author of that book has a podcast that he does with two, and they're Episcopals. But their understanding of law and grace um, just by the book that we read in their podcast is amazing. And it's the same focus. Now, they're focused a little more on grace, but they have a, a firm grasp of the law and how it works with grace to present the gospel. And so we're going to talk about that over this time. But so law and grace, and I, I talk about it a lot because like I said, it's fundamental to understanding the true gospel and receiving the true gospel. But there's a problem, and one of my past associates, he's kind of on this same kick that I am, and so we're talking about it a lot, and he sent me recently, about a month ago, this video of a pastor preaching, it was another Lutheran pastor, and boy, he was talking about long grace. He goes, yeah, he goes, this is really good, I knew you would appreciate it, and I was listening to it, and boy, just like good Lutheran, 
he, he was addressing law and grace, law and grace, emphasizing law, and then how you, we can't really understand grace unless we understand the law. Right? You can't understand being acquitted unless you know what being guilty is. And so, so he's going on and he's beating up Methodists. And Wesleyans, and, and, and I'm like, oh, I liked you. I mean, you're right on. I'm, we're brothers in, in, in this law of grace understanding. And it crosses denominations because it's the gospel. But he was beating up the Wesleyans and um, full, some full gospel. And I was like, you know, but he's not wrong. But so he, his deal was that if we're not careful in church, it goes law, grace, and back to law. And I was like, he's right. And I was thinking about that and going on. I said, but and he, the reason he was beaten up on Wesleyans is because in sanctification, he says, you take it from law to grace where you're supposed to live in, where it's supposed to um, bring you peace and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit. But... Then we put law. In order to do this, in order to sanctify yourself, you need to do this. You need to do this and read this and do this. And, and you get all these to-dos, and you're just like, this is where Paul's voice comes in from Galatians and says, you foolish Christians, did you receive a grace by works and doing? Were you justified by that? No, you are justified by believing in God, in Jesus Christ, what he has done for you. And now you're going to go back to doing again. Now, we don't mean to. We don't mean to, but it, come, it sounds an awful lot like doing. And if you get into certain theologies and, and preaching, it sounds like it's a do and a don't. And if you don't, it's an if-then proposition. That's when religion becomes a burden. In other words, if you pray right, God will bless you. If you do right, God will bless you. If you do it in this way, and then it gets specific, then it's an if-then. Or if you don't do this and don't do this and don't do this, God will bless your life. And, and it becomes all of this, people leave, they come in broken and struggling, and, and there's enough law out in the world, right? The law is the world. It's reciprocity. It's not just actual law, but it's tit for tat, right? I do this for you, you do this for me, and who's going to get the better bargain? And that's the way of the world. And we come into church, and we're like, oh, I'm just beat up. I'm, I'm worried about work or my marriage or my kids. Um, I mean, the list is long <laughs> that we have to uh, get to the end of before we can relax, and we come into church and the preacher says, well, you need to do this and we're doing this and you're doing this and you have to do this and have to, have to, have to. And you're like, wow, I'm not going back there. I've got more stuff I'm going to fail at. And that's what he means when he says, we go back to a law church. And it becomes, you have to be careful. We have to be careful that it's not law grace, law. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians. They're trying to take it back to the law, and that's our tendency. But that's even part of original sin. That's our tendency because we want it to be about us. I want my life, that my life is turned around. You know, it was turned around 
this could be many people's testimony. My life was turned around by the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And as they, are, as they continue and they're better and they're better and their life becomes blessed, they begin to think, man, remember back, though, back when I turned my life around? And that's our tendency. We bring it back into the law. But, and I will say, I think that's why the church universal, the church in our country is shrinking. People, less and less people identify as Christians. Because you go to a law church, in the end, it's no different than any other churches. And we got big laws and we got little laws. Like I was joking earlier about we went out of order, Right? Well, some churches, we're going to have a meeting after church about why that order screwed up. Right? I mean, then the list is long. You stand here, you don't stand here. And that's visitors come in, and they don't know our law. Right? I always love visitors that don't know the law and sit on the front row. I said, you know they're visitors because they don't, they don't know the law. We're not supposed to do that. But I mean, the list is long, but people, and then people come in and they don't feel comfortable. I didn't know what to do. And it's not because they're ignorant or they, I mean, it is, but it's because we, if we don't have this pressure to do it like this and in this order, and you got to have these colors and this, and it's like, oh, it's over. What was I? Forget that. So I think this law Grace law pandemic, if you will, is what we need to get away from or guard against. Because throughout history, throughout scripture, throughout our country, throughout the world, this is what is hurting churches. It's not any different than the world. We just have a different law. That's what this book, Seculosity, showed us. It's not any different if you're a law church. We got all kinds of laws that we have to follow and social pressures. And if church just becomes another one of those to the list, who wants that? And so we have to be careful. So let's get to the missing piece, the good news, right? We have to guard against becoming a law, grace, law church. Remember Galatians, that's what's happening. It, the law is creeping back in. You believed and were justified by faith. And now you're going to start going back to this law and works. So we, every church needs to be careful about that. Every denomination needs to be careful about that. So here's the missing piece. As I was listening to this guy and just saying, yeah, I understand the problem because we're big on sanctification in the Methodist church and we're big on the means of grace. In fact, I talk about it all the time. We have the means of grace. You know, uh, if you want to be sanctified, you got to read scripture. You got to pray, worship, service. Um, You got to do these things in order to be sanctified. And you got to come and be in the body of Christ, be around other people, um, be around body of believers in, in many different forms, but for assurance and fellowship. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds like a bunch of do's, but here's the missing piece. This is my revelation that I had, and I look at this, I was, the staff meeting went extra long that day when I was explaining this missing piece. 
Because it, this is what he was missing, and this is what is missing, so you don't go back to the law church. Yes, reading scripture, going to worship, service, prayer, fellowship with the body, that can all be deemed as law, and we can learn and live it like law. But that's not what we ascribe to as Wesleyans. What he was missing is it's not law, law, it can be law, grace, law, but that's not the order of Scripture. That's not even the order of the Trinity. It's law, grace, spirit. See, if you look in Scripture, Old Testament, what, that, what is that about? God's law being given to the world, God's law being broken by humanity, and an impasse. It's about God's law. You look at the Gospels, what is that about? The grace of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Not us in mercy, not us not getting what we deserve and getting something we don't deserve. That's grace. And then what is, it, it starts in the last gospel, it starts to speak. What comes next? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. See, that's the missing piece. And that's how we prevent from going back to the law because it is the Spirit that sanctifies us. And this is going to be um, our series. And so it's important that you all, if you can't be here, to be online, to listen to all of these, because it is the Spirit that takes over. We received, Paul says it in Galatians, we receive the Spirit by faith. We were justified by faith. We received the Spirit. Jesus tells, him, tells us, tells the world, tells Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John, unless you're born of the Spirit... You will not know the things of God. And there's scriptures all through there. And so we are, when we, uh, here's the Wesleyan piece that he was missing. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we are also born as a new creation. And when you're born as a new creation, I just had a brand new grandbaby and she's tiny, tiny. She can't take care of herself. She's got to grow. She's not going to grow herself, right? She's not going to feed herself, grow herself. And as she grows, she'll be able to do a little more things. But that's the key to sanctification. Our spirits growing in the image of Christ. But understand, we don't do it. We don't do anything. Now, here's the little nuance. Yes, we're supposed to be in Scripture. Yes, we're supposed to be in prayer. We're supposed to fellowship with the body. We're supposed to serve as Christ serves us. Uh, yes, we're supposed to be, do all of those things. But it's because that's where the Spirit flourishes in our hearts and in our lives. And it just happens. But we have to show up in those areas. You don't have to do a, a little devotional. That was the one drawback about doing devotionals is that people try, you know, feel like if they miss a day, you know, that's what I was worried about. Oh, I've missed a day. I'm not going to. Oftentimes, we'll quit. See, I just jumped to the next thing. <laughs> Mid-sentence right there, didn't I? See? I was getting excited. Wait, hold on. Okay. But it's not... You know, and people oftentimes will leave church, will stop a Bible study because they missed one. They missed a day. Oh, I missed a day, and everybody's going to see I missed a day. I wasn't in class. Or you know, and, and we as um, passive-aggressive Christians, 
When we hadn't seen somebody for a while, oh, we missed you, right? It's like, we said the right thing, but there was some judgment in there. But it's the Spirit. We, we go to those. I, when I just don't know what else to do, when I'm frustrated, dry, struggling, or whatever, I just open the Bible. I don't say, I'm going to read, and I'm not saying this is bad. This is what the Spirit's about, doing what God puts on you, not what others put on you, right? And we have to be careful that we don't put stuff on other people just because it works for us, just because it's my thing. I'll just open up the scripture. I won't say, and this isn't bad-mouthing it for, for me, when I'm just trying to find the Spirit for whatever reason, I open up and I won't say, I'm going to read a chapter a day for two weeks. Just, I'll just open up and start reading. Because I know, because of experience and because God says so, in, past, in my past experience, that God's going to show up there and the Holy Spirit's going to get a hold of me. And I'm going to be formed. I'm going to be changed. I don't change myself. The Holy Spirit does. But I have to put myself in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the Wesleyan addition to this. The Holy Spirit. And we don't change ourselves, but we have to avail ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And the more we do that, I'm in a men's group. I've been in a men's group and started one at churches everywhere I've been. Because that was one of the most formidable things in my early years. I went with a out in West Texas with a bunch of farmers and ranchers, and I was this kid from Chicago. And I would go to those groups, and over time I noticed something. Well, every time I left, every time I left, I felt better. I, if I was mad at my wife, I'd go home and just say, "I'm sorry." Yeah. You know, we might not have been talking for two days, but I just got my heart right, my head right, and said, "I don't even care. I'm sorry." Um. But I learned something. There was times when I would get up, and I didn't really want to go because we had to get up 5.30 in the morning. I said there are farmers and ranchers. And, we, and I was not used to that. And there would be times I'd get up, I did not want to go. And there would be some times I did not go. But there was enough times on those mornings where I really didn't want to go and thought that I did go, and I realized a pattern. Those times I really didn't want to go, was the biggest change in my week, was the times that I needed to be there the most. Not because of attendance, but because of what the Holy Spirit did in me. Something that was said, a conversation we had, just the Spirit grabbing a hold of me. I would leave a changed man from where I was the day before. And that's what we're talking about. You read the Bible. If God's going to speak to you, but we, we sit in there and, you know, we, we, we put measurements on this stuff. We put measurements. And we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the spirit part, so I'm going to have to cut it here or Allison's going to be mad at me. Uh, but you see what I'm saying? It is law, grace, and that part is right. But it is law, grace, Wesleyan emphasis, Holy Spirit. That's the way of the of Scripture, law in the Old Testament, grace in the Gospels, New Testament by the Spirit. It, it even matches up to the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that's what he meant, but, but I'm just saying it, it sounds good. 
So as we go into this series about the Spirit, it is about us staying connected to the Spirit. If we, it is the Spirit that grows us. It is the Spirit that uh, causes. Sometimes we'll give ourselves over to the Spirit, but eventually we stop. We reach a comfort zone, and then we, our growth stops. And so we got to continually just be faithful in showing up. If you know the Spirit's going to be there, and if you don't want to be there, that's probably when you really need to be there. Aaron was sharing with me uh, on, she came and we were talking about seculosity, and she has been sick and had been kind of through it over a while, uh, several months, right? And she was getting back to get, getting back to her old self, and but slowly, and she was, you correct me if I, state this wrong, but she was just dry and just feeling disconnected from everybody, everyone, even God. And she, I don't know if you had planned to stay at church that day, but she came, no, she didn't plan to stay at church, but she stayed at church. And I wish she would have said, and the sermon was so inspiring. Or the worship was just phenomenal. And maybe it was a little bit of everything, but she just said, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And I felt connected again. I felt what I had been missing. And that's connectional discipleship. All we have to do, we don't have this long list, but we got to be connected. And God gives us these means of grace and says, I will meet you there. If you're feeling dry, if you're struggling, if you're not finding your way, if you feel like you don't want to, I will meet you there, I promise. But we have to show up. And so in essence, that's what we're talking about. And we're going to talk over the next five, six weeks about how that looks through the Holy Spirit, how we're born of the Spirit, how the Spirit works in our lives. And so, as much as I appreciated the theology of that Missouri Senate Lutheran pastor, and as much as I agreed with the first part of law and grace, and they're inseparable, you can't have one without the other, as much as I agreed with all of that, the missing piece was the Holy Spirit. And so, we're going to talk about the missing piece for the next six weeks. So, show up. And see what God does. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your patience. I thank you that you have given yourself that we might have life, that we might be forgiven, that we might be justified in the sight of a righteous and holy God, even though we are not. And we know that we are not, but Lord, we know that you are. And it is because of Christ's righteousness. You no longer see our unrighteousness, but you see Christ's righteousness. You don't see our unfaithfulness. You see his faithfulness onto death on the cross. And so, Lord, we praise you for that. And, Lord, we ask you that you would bless this time as we remember the gift that he has given us and the grace that ultimately leads to new birth of your spirit, that your spirit is given to us that we might be molded, made, and sanctified. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.